Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Building Blue Zones podcast. This is episode seven, Modern Sustainability. I am DeMarco Gaddy, your co-host. I'm here with Nick. Nick Falkowitz. Here, live and in the flesh, DeMarco. In the flesh. Wow. In the flesh. I'm glad to have the real you in the flesh here. And not a clone me. Not a clone you. Yeah, like a stormtrooper Like in the the other episodes. Of The Mandalorian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> episodes of the man yeah so we're actually doing a big uh partnership right now with john <laughs> with disney Fabru. yeah no john Fabru. oh, oh and him. so um the... because of that we were allowed to mention the mandalorian pretty sweet yeah pretty cool uh, pretty cool multi-million dollar contract pretty sick yeah so it's our first one john Fabru. if you are hearing this right now i just want to let you know first and foremost that i'm a huge fan and i love the movie the chef it's weird that you would call out our sponsor like that. But okay. Right. I know it's a little weird, but uh, I just want to give him the street cred that he deserves. He does deserve it. Yeah. That's all. That's all I have to say. So we're talking about sustainability today, and I think it's funny because it's kind of a trend right now. Right. Um, it's in. It's a fad. Um, it's it's strange that it is because it should be, it should be a lifestyle. And I don't, mm-hmm. I think it's fun to toss around the word for people. Um, but people don't really understand what's going on and why sustainability is important. Um, yeah. And what it even means. I think there's just a lot of dissonance from the actual problem at hand. Um, so I agree. I think we're going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before we do get into it, I know this was kind of like something you really wanted to have a podcast on. I never really expressed interest in having a sustainability episode. Oh, you did. We just delete it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cause so- we can stop right now. Nick. <laughs> so, Obviously, it's very important to you. Like, you know a lot about it. You have changed my life around sustainability since I've moved in with you. Um, It is like been a game changer. Like, I literally recycle everything that I can recycle now. Whereas before, when I was living at my place by myself in downtown Nashville, I didn't recycle a thing because it was an inconvenience for me to do. Right. Now, we literally separate everything out that we can recycle and we literally drive it somewhere, which is an even bigger inconvenience than what it was from when I lived by myself because I could just take it downstairs. Right. And I didn't even want to do that. So you've changed my life on it. You have my eyes to sustainability, which is huge. And so I just want to know, um, as well as like our listeners probably want to know, why is it so important to you and like what sustainability is and, and why it's an issue and why why should we be like uh, – uh, caring about it so much. Yeah. So it kind of started when I was in school, um, a lot having to do with the, um, my major, I, I, well, first off when I was actually in high school, I took an environmental class Mm -hmm. and started to learn, um, some of the statistics, some of the information that, um, at that time that was coming out, the studies that were being done, um, was pretty alarming to me. Uh, just in the impacts we were having, whether it was from uh, development uh, 
species biodiversity decreasing, uh, pollution, mm-hmm. you know, from a perspective of chemical pollution and from waste, uh, municipal waste. Uh, so all of those things really kind of led me to just be more aware of that and um, want to learn more. So that kind of got brought on into college where I actually um, started my career in college with an environmental science degree. That's not what I wanted to do, but I was wrestling and then I had a um, administrator that put me in all those classes when I was actually supposed to be an engineer. Long story, I was supposed to be an engineer with an environmental science minor. Right. Uh, they tried to do the reciprocal of that, but I got back on track. So I finished with a civil engineering major and kind of a focus in environmental science. So I took a lot of environmental science classes. Uh, I read a lot of books personally, you know, just did a lot of personal uh, research into it outside of school. It's the more and more I researched, the more and more I realized how big of a, a problem it really is, mm-hmm. especially in the U.S., especially in developed countries where we have such a consumerist mindset um, and are so disconnected with production and farming and all of those natural things that uh, we need to get our products. Um, it just it was alarming. And yeah, I, I kind of yeah. said, you know, what? I, I need to make small changes here ultimately big changes, but one step at a time. And that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, every time I I research it, like doing research for this podcast, I realize how big of a problem it is. It kind of takes me uh, time again to reconnect with the information and be like, wow, I'm living the same lifestyle. I need to, why am I not, you know, back on the road of sustainability and doing the right things? when I know there is such a big problem and that's because culture today is so much distant from that and s- such on a different road that um, it's just hard if you're not being aware of it. We're so all, we almost live in a bubble, right? Cause like we don't, we don't see landfills every day or, you know, the recycling hubs or the other countries that we ship all of our waste to. We don't see that. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know, how big of a deal it really is until someone opens their eyes to it. Right. Or even where you get your food, where you get your clothes from. Um, All of those practices are very uh, unsustainable and honestly pretty – they're not very sustainable in terms of how we teach – how we treat people. I mean a lot of those things are using modern-day slavery to – uh, conduct business, especially in developing countries where, you know, mining and uh, making of materials and products are done by very young people, a lot of times kids mm-hmm. uh, for long, very long hours and very poor working conditions. So it's not just about being sustainable in terms of environmentally, it's also just being sustainable whole holistically, whether it's yeah. health uh, what you're what you're actually buying, what you're consuming, um, how you're traveling, right, and uh, where your products are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I kind of want to define sustainability first. So, 
the word sustainability is derived from the Latin word sustainere, which is, uh, it means to hold and to maintain mm. the ability of a system to process um, or endure over time. Uh, and an individual really can't be sustainable. It's really, um, you know, in isolation, it, it, it's not the definition. The definition really is an emergent characteristic of kind of a collective, of a community, of a um, uh, biome, essentially. Um, unsustainable development really is, it really started in the industrial period when really even before that, the emergence of, of money is really when we started to come unsustainable but i think we saw a huge spike in industrialization right um when we started to create all these factories um well the consumerism really just blossomed right right yeah consumerism blossomed uh tenfold and with that you have production you have lots of waste um lots of products that aren't used for long term not essential to your living really mm-hmm. um and also they have terrible byproducts where there was no laws set in place to mitigate the byproduct uh the pollution the waste the emission from these factories from these um these businesses and the individuals once the the car was invented once the uh coal engine was created right there wasn't there wasn't any epa there wasn't even there wasn't any governing body because we didn't know the negative impacts we were having until we started to see there was results down the road um from those unsustainable development practices where we saw you know animals dying in the in the creeks and whole communities uh declining deforestation and erosion all of those things started to occur because we weren't being sustainable. So unsustainable development comprises of the, um, the the phenomena of global warming, destruction of ozone shields, acidification of land and water, desertification, soil loss, uh, deforestation, forest decline, diminishing productivity of land and waters, um, other things include, you know, just population increase of humans, which obviously, you know, just by the pure nature of us, we are taking from the environment and not giving much back in terms of, um, you know, nutrients and stuff right, like that. Right. We like to withdraw and kind of create this dissonant cycle where we cycle everything on our own and don't really implement it back. Um, in a sustainable way back into the environment, which is completely against how, you know, how the world evolved and how all of these systems are very complex. Plants are very complex. The soil is very complex. Um, our biome is very delicate, even though it doesn't seem that way. We live in a very, we live, we live on essentially a, a pin needle, like, all these perfect things have collated into, um, you know, the perfect temperature, the perfect oxygen ratio. Um, Mm -hmm. All of these nutrients are set in place to where we can live. And we have 
changed that so dramatically in the last, you know, couple hundred years that um, it's really the, I think the reaction of those things have really been seen in the last 20 to 30 years. We've really started to see that. And yeah, we've definitely made some huge jumps because people started to realize what sustainability is and how it impacts uh, the world. I think we slowly started to make those changes, but I don't believe that the changes we are making on a global scale are enough to um, change the tide. And that's why I want our listeners to understand these issues and to try to implement them on a small scale and um, hopefully be advocates for their businesses and for others to also implement these things we're going to talk about into their lives. Um, You know, it is very much so a problem of business. I think business is the large contributor here, but um, the individual does have a stake in this. And the individual also, we live in a capitalistic, um, you know, economy where our dollar does make an impact. What we choose to spend money on alters the way that business works and alters the way that uh, companies make choices and where they allocate funds to. So um, you being aware and purchasing smart, being a smart consumer, um, you can truly make a change in those businesses because you you, you can possibly change their business model. So let's get into a little bit of facts just here. I just want to do high level some points um, about what these results have been. Um, And I would love to dive into this more later in episodes where we can take, you know, one of these problems and really break them down because they're so complex and they have so much detail in them. But um, for one, humankind is polluting waters and rivers and lakes faster than nature can recycle it. This is the same thing for our, our air. We're polluting the air. Um, and obviously, we, you know, trees and plant life do act as a filtration system. But as we've deforested and uh, destroyed all of these trees and these forests, we've declined the filt- filtering capacity, essentially, Um, while we're increasing the pollution. So there's kind of this big difference where, you know, things aren't being processed correctly and we're increasing the input. So obviously you're going to have some issues there where um, it's going to destroy a lot of the natural cycle. Each year, an estimated one-third of all food produced, equivalent to 1.3 billion tons, um, worth about $1 trillion, ends up rotting in bins of consumers and retailers or spoiling due to poor transportation and harvesting. Uh, again, we'll get into this about consumerism and where you buy food from and right. what food you buy. It's incredibly important for your health and for the health of the planet. Um, land degradation, declining soil fertility, unsustainable water use, overfishing, and marine environmental degradation are all lessening the ability of the natural resource uh, base to supply food. So again, consumerism is huge here. Actually, the food you buy has a huge impact environmentally, maybe equivalent to or more so random products that we purchase. Right. Um, so the food you buy, again, is huge. And uh, 
obviously huge for your health as well. Um, the world generates 2.01 billion tons of municipal solid waste annually, with at least 33% of that extremely conservatively not managed in an environmentally safe manner. A lot of that comes from undeveloped countries. Mm -hmm. um, here we are growing our sustainability in waste management, but still obviously not great because we produce a lot more. Um, as I'll get into right now, worldwide, waste generated per person per day averages 0.74 kilograms, but ranges widely from 0.11, which is not a lot at all, um, to 4.54 kilograms, which is quite a bit. Um, though they only account for 16% of the world's population, high income countries generate about 34%. So essentially double of the rest of the world, they're producing waste, which is us included. If you look at our per, per day waste, per, you know, per, per person, person, it's like, it's 4.5 pounds, 4.5 pounds, which is like a cat essentially. Yeah. Cat of waste. You're throwing away a cat of waste, people. Yeah, Come a on. cat or something else. Or like a, you know, like a small plant. Yeah, or like a an eggplant, maybe. Like an eggplant. Well, or two eggplants. Yeah, it'd be like two eggplants. Two whole eggplants. And maybe that's what you're wasting because eggplants are gross. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what you're throwing away. Yeah, you realize that the eggplants Stop are Stop buying them gross. if you're going to throw them away yeah, every time. Just don't buy the just eggplant. Just don't buy the eggplant. They're Note to self. It. It's not worth don't it. Don't buy it. Yeah, no, I don't like eggplants. I've They're bought gross. them multiple times and thrown them away. They're gross. Actually, no, I try to eat them. But then you throw it away. But then I throw it away. Yeah. So at least I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> but the word the solution is don't buy it in the first place which right. is a great transition to yep. our habits like i said i don't want to dive there is millennia of information that i could get into about the unsustainable practices that we're having right and the unsustainable results but i don't we don't like to focus here too much on the negative here at building blue zones we like to focus on the positives and what, what we can, we can do, do. Yeah. To make Perfect. the changes, right? Yep. So Nick, what, what can we do here? Yeah. So uh, there's a few things that we can be cognizant of uh, for, you know, increasing our practices when it comes to sustainable living. I think a few of them that we're going to touch on today are going to be, you know, uh, around travel, being a consumer, uh, giving back to the environment and the community, and then healthier eating. How can those four things translate to not only living a more sustainable lifestyle, um, but also just being a better cog in the wheel, if you will, for the world, right? For the earth. Uh, so starting off with transportation, uh, what does that look like and what does that mean? Well, I mean, like how can we reduce our footprint, our yeah. carbon footprint through transportation? Right. And I think the biggest key here is reduce the, if you think about like, you know, the three R's you learned in grade school, reduce, reuse, recycle, mm -hmm. reduce is, there's a reason that there's actually that order, um, because the order is the priority or the preferred. So reduce is the most preferred option because it simply does, it has the least impact on the environment. If you're reducing, you're not causing all these 
downstream issues, just reducing your consumerism, reducing the amount you drive, therefore you're reducing the age on your car, the mileage on your car, the gas you're using, your pollution that you're emitting, you know, your CO2, um, the wear and tear on the road, the amount of oil changes that you need, the amount of tires you need recycled. If you just reduce the amount you're actually using, you're going to have, you're going to lessen all of those timelines, lessen all of those total impacts. Yeah. So how can we do that? Well, we can, um, very high level, we can just, you know, ride share. We can, um, live close to work. You know, if that's an option for you, it's, mm-hmm. it's generally an option for everyone. You just, you know, make it a priority and there, there definitely is space available. There's definitely some options, most likely within your budget. You just might have to do a little bit more looking instead of picking maybe exactly what you want and, and paying. Yeah. Uh, you might have to pay a little bit of a premium cause it might be in a metropolitan area, but I think, yeah. I think you will realize that like walking or biking to work is, first of all, you'll probably save money on mm-hmm. a car. Yep. Um, drive, like driving all the time and gas money, probably save some money there. Um, but you'll also probably be a lot healthier by taking that initiative. Um, you'll be probably a little bit happier. You get to get outside. It's a great way to start your day, Nick. I know you probably, yeah, definitely. I know you rode your bike to school and to work. Yeah. Right. At, at yeah. So, uh, so I lived in Michigan for both undergrad and graduate school. And I do not remember a day when I didn't ride my bike. Now that's including the winter where we had like a foot of snow. That's actually impressive. Yeah. Did you put snow tires on? No. So it was. <laughs> so I basically just crashed most of the no, time. No, I didn't. I only fell twice. That's very impressive. And I remember the two times. One was in front of two girls. I was walking out, or no, I was riding my bike home. They were walking in front of me. And this was in undergrad. And oh, they so lived you at least you behind them. Yes. And they. So you got up all quickly? Yeah, but they still heard me fall. <laughs> Anyway, it was like a foot of snow that day. It's kind of embarrassing. They, were out, they lived on my street. I never talked to them about the incident. The next time uh, was like a terrible snowstorm. I was coming home from the library at U of M. And this was actually in later years. And um, I'm usually pretty good at like maneuvering through snow. But because the snow had been trampled on, it was basically it was like, like ruts. I was biking on moguls, so to speak. Like, yeah. And if you don't know what moguls are, they're like little humps on a ski ski uh, hill. Right. So like I was biking th- on little humps that people had compacted with their feet. And so I was trying to like balance on that. And You're I was like, going this, super this, fast. And some guy was in front of me and I couldn't get out of the way. Ran him over me. And so I just fell to like avoid him. Those are the two times that I've fallen. Other than that, but it was in snow, right? That's right. the benefit yeah. of having snow. You fall in snow. Yeah, I was fine. But the whole point of of you even bringing this up is that I only lived like maximum two to three miles away from uh, campus or from when right. I, my classes were. So, like, yeah, I could have. Some people would say three miles. Like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna just buy a parking pass or ride the bus. But for me. It was actually more convenient to bike every day 
because I didn't have to wait for anything. I didn't have to try to find parking. I didn't have to pay for parking, which is like $150 or $175 right. a uh, semester. And so, but I would say the second alternative yeah. there is riding public transportation. I mean, it's already in place. You don't have to move you can your do that. car and park. And I do think all it's just that. better to bike. No, it is for sure. I think it's I faster. Think it's better exercise. It always woke me up. I felt better in the mornings. Like the only thing I can say to people that don't want to bike is like, okay, you're lazy. Like you don't have to be an athlete to bike. No, definitely not. And bikes aren't even expensive if you think about buy a Facebook bike, man. You, you could buy any. <laughs> you could buy a bike for one hundred and fifty dollars, and it's less than what your parking would cost you, right, for a half of the year. Mm-hmm. Less of what your gas would cost, you right? Too oh yeah, the year. absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a great point. Um, some other things with traveling is just, you know, just. With like, let's say you're doing some errands, making your errands efficient is another way. Just, just reducing again. Like if you're going out to go grocery shopping and you got to go to a couple other places, just plug that bad boy into Google maps and let it efficiently mark out your route. And you know, then you're not driving all the way across town for one thing when, when actually it was actually pretty close what you needed. So things like that. I know I do that. I know I'll go out and get something and then drive home and then be like, oh, crap, forgot this thing at this place. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back out when it's like, man, if I was just, you know. Uh, you, th- you planned ahead. If, you, if I was planned, yeah, if yeah. I planned ahead a little bit, I just forgot the word to use there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah. planned ahead, I would have you know, reduce that, that extra trip that I didn't, that I took for no reason. Um, so what's the next thing there? So being a consumer. So, uh, I think we've talked about this a lot, but really being cognizant and being aware of what you're buying on a day to day. Right. And how can we reduce, um, I guess our carbon footprint in terms of what we buy every day? Is it necessary? And, and how can we advocate for companies that do care about um, healthy living and, and healthy environments? Right. Yeah. And I think, like I said, the culture today, it's very much, and I think this happened probably around the same time with industrialization, um, the consumeristic mindset. Consumerism is such a prevalent thing in our society. You see ads everywhere you probably see three to five thousand ads a day and i know that seems like an over exaggeration but that is fact like you really see that many a day especially Mm -hmm. if you're active on social media you're probably seeing even more than that um so obviously if you're constantly being fed that information and being told that that's your identity as a consumer you're probably going to start you know having that behavior, you start, you're going to start behaving like a consumer and you're going to click those impulse purchases emotionally. Oh, I really need that. That looks really cool in this ad because that's what they are paid to do. And that's what they've engineered it to, to be appealing. So I think that the answer there is multifold. It's one that is being aware, being conscious, of these ads and um, before you make that online purchase, um, you know, say, do I need this? Is this something that 
I'm going to use for a long period of time, or is this kind of kind of be like a an in thing that I use for One a month to be cool, yeah. or just because I think it's cool? Does it it does it benefit my life, or yeah. am I going to use it for a purpose? And if I'm not, maybe maybe sleep on it and and then come back. To yep. It. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy things that you you don't like, uh, but or or that you you just want, but I think. It should, you should sleep on it and, and not be so rash yeah. about it. That's a, that's a good point. So like, obviously I'm in, I'm in sales. And so like in any sales position, you're trained to basically get your buyer to buy on impulse with like a childlike mindset. Right. And so they're buying with emotion. And so what we're saying is that you should not fall into that. If you're a consumer, I mean, you should, you should not buy with emotion. You should buy with logic because that's the smartest thing to do. We don't want you buying 20 pieces of furniture to put in your thousand square foot apartment. Right. We deal with that a lot. And we, uh, do, yeah, <laughs> we do deal with that a lot. And so uh, it's, it's just not, dude, it's not necessary. It's yeah. not necessary to have at all. I think I'm very much agreeing with you on the fact that like living a minimalist lifestyle is more beneficial in life than buying what's new every two months. Right. right exactly. What gotta have it, gotta have it. I don't like that mindset. It almost makes your mind more cluttered too, because your apartment or your home gets more cluttered with things that don't mean anything and they don't matter. And right. then you get, you have a cluttered mind because everything's messy. And it's probably unsustainable in terms of your finances too. Like, yeah, like you probably, you probably shouldn't be buying in a lot of people's cases In some people's cases, yeah, they got plenty of money. But, um, I think in most people's cases, it would benefit you quite a bit to, you know, reallocate those things into maybe some investments instead of buying a product instead of being a whale, like you were saying. So instead of being a whale, you want to be a shark. It's a really good analogy to have. You don't want to be a consumer consuming everything like a whale would be. You want to be very efficient. You want to be very hyper focused, just like a shark would be uh, to consume the least amount possible. Right. Yeah. And another thing about consumerism is um, being aware, like you were saying, of where your products are coming from. You know, are they being sustainably uh, produced, mm -hmm. you know, like we were saying previously when I was describing all those negative connotations with our development, um, are those products being developed in some foreign country that, you know, they have no environmental regulations and they're using child labor, those kinds of things, you know, try to, try to use your money and allocate it where you think, um, is morally correct and environmentally correct, especially in food. I think food obviously is huge for you health wise, like eating food that's sustainable environmentally. And, you know, yeah. um, from a standpoint of like just being human, like kind in a human way. Um, I think it's huge not buying monocropped, you know, vegetables or, um, you know, any product, any whole food, buying products that are that are local for one, like we we're saying, if you you buying local, they're going to be transported, transported more effectively, more efficiently. They're not monocrops. So there's not this 
exponential amount of food that they're trying to sell off and they can't sell off all of it, you know, it's much more finite and they can sell as much as they have. And then when it's all gone, there's no more. Right. I think that's much more efficient. And as well as you know exactly where it's coming from, hopefully that farm is, you know, practicing crop rotation. They're um, not using pesticides. Those are things to look into. But it's something that I try to do. I try to find organic products that are, you know, doing the right thing sustainably. And that meat, that does mean more than just organic. Organic doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that they are sustainable. You can have an organic um, livestock farm that's very unsustainable. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, you can have organic pesticides even. Right, So right, yeah. There's things that are... You can also have like, what is it? Well, it's just marketing. Uh, it's just marketing. Right. They, yeah. They're using this word that we think that everyone that is sustainable is buying that product because they think it's the right thing to do, but they're not actually doing the research. They're not actually trying to make a change. They're just kind of doing... And, and it's Some not, people are. Yeah, it's not like they're doing it maliciously they're just well not some, some companies are some companies no are i'm saying by the consumer by the consumer right they're not maliciously just buying something that says organic they're trying to make an impact but you have to go a little deeper because these companies are malicious and it and yeah. they're just going to slap a label on it that's going <laughs> to try to sell because they don't want to change their way of producing food because it's they, like fair life Everyone loves Fairlife. They think it's the best milk ever. They until they saw, well, they rebranded too, yeah. And until they saw um, all the videos on like how they mistreat all the animals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like terrible. Like they think that well, Fairlife did... was amazing and like it's the best milk ever. It has no lactose. It's the healthiest milk you can get. Blah blah blah. And they're and just beating they, baby cows. And, and then like, they just realized them. that like the uh, the documentary on it was like what. Uh, what the health or something? Or, I don't remember what the no. It was, was like a legitimate leaking of people that worked there. Yeah, that were recording how people were treating. Yep, and it was like terrible. Yep. So it's just one example. Not only like it doesn't have to morally. be that hard though. You don't have to every time you go to the grocery store. You don't have to look at every single ingredient you get and look into if they're being environmentally friendly. It only takes one time, and then you have brand recognition, and then you're like, oh, this brand. Let's say Aunt Jemima. They do everything organic and they, they're really good. I don't at, know if they do, but <laughs> no, I'm just saying then, you know, to only shop Aunt Jemima and not Mrs. Buttersworth. <laughs> if you're making waffles with a mini waffle maker that I just got for a gift. He's you know? very happy about it. People. Yes. Also going into consumerism, if it's a gift, it's okay if you get a mini <laughs> waffle maker, but to buy a mini waffle maker for yourself, not okay. <laughs> Unless you're just a waffle king. Yeah, yeah. And you just love waffles. Yeah. yeah. But if you get it as a gift, you better use that gift. <laughs> By the way, I love the waffle maker. You can it's make perfect, perfect waffles every time. You can really make anything in a waffle maker, though. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to be. <laughs> you can, you yeah. can put anything in there, man. Well, Steak, can... <laughs> eggs. It's a George Foreman girl. Um, you could put... You could make stu a stuffing waffle. Have you ever seen that? No. It's pretty gross. Yeah, I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I think you touched on eating healthy. I thought another good thing that we haven't really touched on yet is uh, giving back mm -hmm. to the environment. Right. And this was something I found. You have obviously much more knowledge than I do. 
on this, but um, when I was doing research for this podcast episode, I found that like it just one, the average tree, if it's like a full grown tree, right, that could mean anything, but uh, the average tree absorbs up to 48 pounds of carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide, I think it is, CO2. Yeah. Um, that's per year. That's a lot of pounds of carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. And so even if you can donate, if you if you can't do any of the things we just talked about, even if you could donate or even if you could help give back to the environment by planting a tree, replanting a tree, because deforestation is real, right? Just help donate to replanting trees or plant a crop outside or make your yard more inhabitable um, for the environment. Just give back to the environment that way. Yeah, two little spinoffs from there. One being... You know, trees have a lot of benefits. It's not just that they they do sequester CO two, but the other thing is they, uh, you know, they 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 detain water, runoff water. They're going to be able to sequester that as well, so you're not having downstream impacts and have to deal with all this water downstream. Obviously, you have to have quite a bit more trees to to sequester mm-hmm. more water, but it's better to have soil because soil acts as a median for that water. Yeah, but it does have an impact. Also creates a place for biodiversity, creates a home for all these different types of animals and insects to live within. Also, if you're talking about an urban area, um, they call this urban heating or basically as you pave uh, an area, it, it creates this urban heating effect where the the heat doesn't really... It, it, it really just absorbs um, within that per, that pavement um, and creates a hotter zone around the cities mm. versus where it's a forest and it kind of just deflects, it dissipates through the forest, yeah. uh, trees absorb it. So there's not that heating. Cities basically are creating these places that are much hotter and obviously we know that the effects of that is negative for animals, for um you know, the, the, the ecosystem and, um, uh, it creates pavement issues. It, there's a lot that comes with just hotter areas. Um, but those are some benefits of trees. And then there, just a side note here, Metro Nashville, if you're developing, you have to pay the tree bank if you're not going to contribute to their minimum standard of trees. Mm-hmm. So, um, in any development, you have to have the minimum amount of trees, which is per code. Um, but if you don't, you can just pay for them, which is a good and bad situation because I feel like you can kind of just get around it if you have money, which I think is... But then you're paying into like donating to get more trees? And To be parts. honest, not really sure what they do with the money. Um, it might just go to Metro Nashville. Not 100% sure. I have a little bit more faith and then than that, I think they do maybe, um, you know, reallocate that somewhere else. But you do have to pay for it. A but, fine. Right. But I just want to get back to, the, to this idea that right. we shouldn't have the idea of that these things are directly economical, monetarily um, equivalent. They're, they're really not. These things have profound impacts being that you know you destroy a tree you're destroying that tiny ecosystem that lives within that tree 
you're declining the amount of CO2 that's sequestered. There's a lot of impacts that you're having just by that tree, by paying that $400 or whatever, $700, how much it is. Um, so we need to get out of that mindset. And that mindset is not just in city code. It's, it's in really every aspect of business. We're not, we're just putting a small monetary sticker on these things. And some, a lot of consumers aren't doing that. A lot of businesses aren't doing that. It would be great if you had a product, right? You're, you're yeah. reading a product, almost like the ingredient label where it has a, uh, environmental impact label. You know, mm. what if that was a thing where you can look at it and be like, oh, this product killed this many monkeys, <laughs> this <laughs> many, like, it sounds terrible, but yeah. like, what if you can see it? I wonder how much that would change our perspective and change our purchasing because we're so distant from what we're buying and the impacts that it has, you know, what would that look like? Yeah. Another thing, That's interesting. another thing, planting trees, like, why aren't we creating, you know, local gardens where, it, you know, we're already maintaining all these places with cutting lawns and maintaining trees, cutting <laughs> trees. Why aren't we creating gardens where we can like benefit from those plants and, you know, mm -hmm. feed our homeless community by having these natural plants everywhere? I don't know, just a thought there. Yeah, there. Well, there are local gardens. There are places a, like that. I don't know of, if there's places like that uh, here. There's a lot. I don't know about in Tennessee, but I'd have to do more research. But in in Michigan, there were actually a lot of community gardens. That's good to hear. Which is weird because it's like six months of winter in Michigan. Right. But uh, is it internal? Is it covered? No, no, no. Wow. No, they're outside. Well, so that's a good point. Maybe they need to convert to greenhouse or something internal. Yeah, I mean because, that takes a lot of funding. Right. <laughs> So if it's in like a poor neighborhood, but you centralize kind of like, it, right? Yeah, you you centralize can, yeah, it. Yeah, you exactly. It you you could totally do a greenhouse, but um, even so, it's not impossible to do a community garden. Um, it's definitely doable with the right resources and tools. And I think just starting from ground zero and being an advocate for right. things like that is important. And like I said, getting back to that advocacy, I mean, I I think that's really doing the things we have stated and then being an advocate after this podcast, get some more information on it, uh, educate yourself and then try to become an advocate, learn what's, what's important and advocate that to your community, advocate to that to your friends and to the businesses you work within or, you know, work for work with, yeah. Uh, and make yeah. those small changes because those small changes result in big changes. Yeah. They add up the little things matter for sure. Nick, right, do you have anything else, man? No, I think that's pretty much it. We we covered travel, being a consumer, giving back to the environment, eating healthy. How all those tie into, um, how all of those tie into modern sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's a first good step. If you guys have any additional questions, you can reach out to either one of us. Yeah, um, or our the, email billingbluezones uh, at outlook .com. Yep. Yep either one of those um and we can uh we can definitely answer any questions you guys have we'd love to have an episode where we just literally just answer questions right? yeah so that'd be cool too that'd so be cool all right That's all right y'all thank you for tuning in and we look forward to you coming back next episode